This is Professor Allen, and welcome to the Quarter Bin. In every episode of this podcast, I will summarize, criticize, discuss, and review a single issue from my comic book collection, except for those episodes where we celebrate a comic book holiday. See, normally, any comic from my comic book collection is eligible, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for it. And we ask whether the issue was worth 25 cents, if it was a bargain at 25 cents, or if it was still overpriced. And I ask you to stay tuned and find out. But for this 193rd episode of the Quarterbin Podcast, I'm looking at the books I got at Free Comic Book Day 2023, because as listeners to this show are keenly aware, free is in fact less than 25 cents. I've checked. The math works out. As a matter of fact, I've made the proclamation that the first Saturday in May is the official national holiday of the Quarter Bin Podcast. But first, a little feedback. And we are still a little bit off in terms of the calendar and the recording schedule, so we will be looking at feedback from two episodes ago where we talked about an issue of Nightwing. I anticipate that by next quarter bin, we'll be all caught up on our feedback. So keep those cards and notes coming. Now, last issue totally triggered poor Billy D for magazines and monsters. Too much romance for me in Nightwing comics. Yep, sorry about all that kissing, buddy. I'll try to focus on the punching this episode. All right. Tim from Deconstructing Comics said that that cover looked more like Nightcrawler than Nightwing. Interesting. And I had to send a specific, personalized content warning to one listener for that episode, as I knew that my discussion of baking versus cooking would definitely be impactful on her. And yes, I did get a response from Karen from the very sweet Between the Pages blog. As you can probably guess, this is my favorite podcast episode you've ever done. I love the talk about cooking and sharing food with others. Karen, you don't know how much of a relief that is. Thank you. She continued, I agree 100% that cooking and baking are very different. I frequently say that cooking is an art while baking is chemistry. When I bake, I have a scale and I weigh each ingredient. I have to pay attention to the order ingredients are mixed together, especially when wet and dry ingredients are being mixed together. I've never thought of it the way you expressed it, Professor, but I understand why the precision of baking is too much like the precision of accounting for you. Like you, I absolutely love the process of creating something concrete and sharing it with others. This is why I love decorating cakes 
and cookies. The process is a mixture of planning, baking, creating art, and making needed adjustments on the fly. But as you said, the best part is the joy my cakes and cookies bring others. Thanks for such a wonderful episode. Karen Williams, Royal Baker of the Relatively Geeky Network. Oh, yes, make it so, Karen, make it so. And thank you for those comments. And to you and James, we are with you. Sir Luke of the Upstate said he was eager to hear this episode. Never been much of a Nightwing reader, but obviously he has tons of fans. Not sure what I was expecting in this discussion of an issue of Nightwing, but an introspective therapy session was not it. (laughs) The issue does sound like a solid pick for a random issue, and I enjoyed your tangent as well. Thanks, Professor. Kirk Spencer, Big Five Army, said he was a fan of tangents. That is a relief, Kirk. Sir, Dr. Ange wrote in with his thoughts as well. Interesting commentary on this issue, Professor. This might not be exactly what you were talking about, but it sounds like you were talking about doing things which center you or ground you or give you some zen. My work life keeps me very busy, and it takes two forms. Admin work, mostly around IT in the hospital, and also clinical care or or seeing patients. Both can be very stressful. More recently, I've been through some divorce issues, which also ramped the stress up. As a result, I have found some degree of peace in doing all sorts of things, each with a different sort of grounding. Hiking, most often alone, helps clear my head of the cobwebs. Cooking and baking allows me to create meals and share them with friends, family, and loved ones. Writing about comics and guesting on podcasts allows me to be more creative than my work often allows. Now, I will interrupt Ange to give him credit for not mentioning that where he writes about comics is the Supergirl-themed blog Comic Box Commentary. You see, when you don't give the plug yourself, I'm glad to give the plug. Ange says that the most zen he gets, wait for it, is ironing shirts. There's a pile of rumply shirts, and then there are crisp, hangered shirts. It's physical, it's palpable, it's almost formulaic. When I iron, I repeat the Zen Cohen. First, there is a mountain, the pile of shirts. Then there is no mountain, the pile is gone. Then there is a mountain, the hanging ironed shirts. Don't know if I quite captured your ideas, but figured I'd share anyways. Doctor, you nailed it, and it sounds like you found a number of ways to balance out the effects of a very stressful job, and I hope a temporarily stressful life. And yes, Zen 
is another way of saying a similar thing. Now, I don't iron myself, but I totally get that. I think for me, that impulse manifests in arranging or organizing, putting away clothes, putting away comic books, or, as Sir Luke would understand, creating and using a well-organized Excel spreadsheet. Or for me, it's also doing something tangible like jigsaw puzzles. I think all of those activities are about making order out of chaos, which is how you described the ironing of your shirts. I am glad that that episode resonated with so many of you. I am truly pleased by that. Social media love for last episode came from Chris from Professor Frenzy. It's a show. Keith G. Baker. Pat from the Longbox Crusade. Aaron Henley. Derek Derek W.C. from the History of Comics on Film. Franco Benitez. Roger Preeb. James W. Kelton. The Lady Laurel of the Hunters Podcast. Chris Lydon 7, The Telltale Mind. The Notorious JJG from Comics, Comics, Comics. Blog. Chris Willette, Ed from Teal Productions. Sir Manuel Carmone of Truthful Comics. Shane Kelly, voice actor. Eugene R. Hendricks. Damian Lee, Vic and Phoenix. Robert Ludwig, the most sane man among us. Matthew McKeegan. And Ranger Gord, host of the wonderful Prayer of Justice, the Greg Sanders Vigilante podcast. Thank you all. All right, I am recording this section of the episode a few days before Free Comic Book Day itself. So let me start with the planning, how I expect that day to go. On prior Free Comic Book Day episodes, episodes 51, 73, 98, 118, 135, 173, and 183, man, that's a lot of prior episodes. Seems like maybe I've been doing this for a while. (laughs) But on those prior episodes, I talked about my comic book shopping habits and also revealed the shocking truth that 2015 was my first FCBD ever. Now, to be fair, M partook of the event a couple of times before that when they were in college. And the plan for this year is pretty much the same as the plan was for last year. We've gotten into a a nice rhythm with the return of in-person FCBDs. I really like my main LCS, World's Greatest Comics in Westerville, Ohio. But starting a few years ago, they've moved away from Discount Comics. Now, at one point, this was my only source for quarter books. And to be honest, for a long time, it was the last reliable source I had for quarter books. But after the 2021 Free Comic Book Day, which... You may recall that was the one that was in August of that year. The first in-person one of the COVID era. And in 2021, they had a month of sales leading up 
the FCBD 2021, after which they pulled all of the cheap books off their sales floor. During COVID, they were able to focus the business on other types of comics. Now, by then, their quote-unquote cheap books were a buck, but the sales would drop them to 50 cents or a quarter, or sometimes even a dime. But those days seem to be gone. So for that reason, I don't get to the store as often as I used to, but I still like it. I still consider it my main LCS and do recommend it. Because I am nothing if not loyal. So that shop, World's Greatest, is going to be our first stop of the day. They open on free comic book day at 10, the earliest of the shops we're going to hit. World's Greatest is also the furthest distance from my home, so that all makes sense to me planning-wise. And when I say we, we are going to be hitting stores on free comic book day, I mean myself and Mrs. Quarterbin and Mrs. Quarterbin's twin brother, Phil. The three of us did FCBD the last few years, had a great time, and decided to repeat the experience. And of course, having Valerie with me enables us to acquire twice as many free comics as I could otherwise. You'd think that it would be three times as many with Phil there. The problem is he's a comic book fan himself. So I usually don't even get to borrow his for a few days to read them first. He's protective. You know, the way that comic nerds tend to be. Now, these days, M's standard work at the bookstore on Saturday is the middle shift, which is like noon to eight. So they probably won't be able to join us. I did reach out and maybe, just maybe, M will be able to switch to a later shift and actually join us for some part of our escapades. Fingers crossed and we will see. Anyway, so we'll start at World's Greatest, and in the past, they've allowed for four free books per person, meaning eight for me, because being married is great. They open at 10, like I said, but we usually shoot to get there around 11. Now, next up is Crazy Comics. That's crazy with a K and two Zs, because comics, which move to a larger and actually a little bit closer to me location earlier in 2023. This is a black-owned shop, and I do try to hit there a few times a year to support them, capitalism-wise. They have a good selection of dollar books uh, in the back. Now, they don't open till 11, so again, the schedule works well for that. I can't remember how many free books they've allowed in the past, but I think they're one of the shops where it's one and then another for every item you buy, something like that. Now, if M is able to join us, this is probably where that would happen. It's a little later than the first store, and also this one is closer to where M lives. And there are some good places for lunch in that part of town, so that is going to be next on the agenda, and that's also another possible place for M to join us, because, you know, kids and a free meal. I'm really not sure where they get that attitude from, though. Huh. After that, we're going to swing back to the part of town where Phil lives with his dad, 
also named Phil. Yes, it is a little confusing. And drop him off. Now, near them, there is a third comic store, Capital City Comics, or Cap City, as in Columbus, the capital of Ohio. Now, depending on how the first two trips go, I may stop by that one as well after we drop off Phil. This was a store that M and I considered. This would have been maybe seven or eight years back when we were looking for an LCS, when we were looking for a pull box. And like I said, we ended up settling on World's Greatest because Cap City, even though closer to us, it didn't have quarter bins. And also World's Greatest has just about the best customer service I've run across in a comic shop. While Cap City is just, well, just think of your stereotypical comic shop. I mean that for good and ill, but that's what they are. Though I have found some books I've been looking for from my want list there a few times. And also, about a year ago, maybe two years ago now, they bought a collection of sci-fi digests and had them on sale for a buck. And I bought two or three every couple months or so when I stopped in. And, and, and I do stop by there occasionally. Now, in the pre-COVID days, Cap City was one of the stores in town that would do the big blowout, free comic book day events, the big party, the kids' games, all of that, and the big lines. So I'm not sure if that stuff is back for them post-pandemic. So again, I may swing by that shopping center, see if they have a line out the store or not, and maybe stop in, again, depending on that. Now, in terms of what books I'm looking forward to for FCDB this year, Here's the thing. I have not even looked at the offerings. So I don't have any want lists or need lists or anything like that. The plan, if you could even call it that, is just to see what the day brings. Now, if there's a Doctor Who offering or Lady Mechanica, those are the two always must-haves. But other than that, I'm just looking forward to the adventure free of expectations. So when we come back after this break, it will be after my FCBD adventures, and I'll talk about those books that I nabbed, however many or few that may be. And no promos this episode. This one will be scored with a song called Symphonic Vision from a band that I believe is also called Symphonic Vision that I discovered more than 20 years ago on a royalty-free music website. I've been unable to find any information about the band or the song online pretty much ever since then. Enjoy, and I'll be back shortly on the other side of Free Comic Book Day. back a few days after the big day. And sadly, no, M could not change their work schedule. So it was the three of us who went out on our adventures. Mrs. Quarterman and I picked up her brother, 
And we started out at World Greatest Comics. About a year or so before COVID, they had moved from one location in their shopping center to another, a, a larger spot. And it's nice because it was free comic book day and they were busy. It was busy when we arrived, but there was also room to move around. And that wasn't always the case at FCBD's at that smaller shop. Now, World's Greatest is a generous store on FCBD, allowing four free issues per person. So I got eight, thank you, Valerie, and Phil got four. And at World's Greatest, I got a selfie with a celebrity. Because they had a Spider-Gwen slash Ghost Spider cosplayer, who I'm pretty sure is the owner's daughter. Uh, Last year, she was a family-friendly, appropriately dressed Harley Quinn. From World's Greatest, we headed to Crazy Comics. And then also, let me give a shout-out before I forget, to Moe's Southwest Grill for a pretty good lunch. Now, Crazy, that's with a K and two Zs, was a store that I discovered early in the COVID times when a list of black-owned comic shops went around the internet. And I saw that we had one here in Columbus. So I figured that that was the way I could do some good with my capitalism and spend some money there. A crazy, normally, has dollar bins in the back of their store, but for FCBD, they were marked down to 50 cents each. This is, of course, way too expensive for coverage on this podcast However, I do want to list the books that I nabbed at that sale. It was 18. That way I could keep it under 10 bucks after you include the state-mandated theft assessment. These will potentially be discussed in future installments of the Comics Reading Journal, of course. So what I got from there, uh, from their sale, was a couple of coverless war books, which... Kirk Spencer approved of, Our Army at War 147 and All-American Men of War 109, four Archie books from different titles, a long run from a Helix series from one of Dr. Ange's favorite creators, Howard Chaikin's Cyberella 1 through 9, two issues of a CSI miniseries, and a manga from Dark Horse, Gunsmith Cats, number one. Now, between Valerie and I, we nabbed four more free books from Crazy, bringing the total to 12. And no, no Doctor Who, and no Lady Mechanica. So now it's time to talk about each one of that dozen, for about a minute or two each, I guess, Going in alphabetical order, and like we do on the Comics Reading Journal, we start with one from Archie, although in this case, it's from Archie Horror, The Cursed Library. And I blame Clinton Robison for this one. He had 100% responsibility 
for telling me that the lead character of this anthology was Jinx. And if I'd known that, I wouldn't have picked it up. Fortunately, it's not little Jinx. It's more like high school Jinx. But still, he should have warned me. Clinton, you had one job. Now, this free issue seems to be the announcement of modern Archie Horror 2.0 after Afterlife with Archie and the chilling adventures of Sabrina and after those burst onto the scene in 2013, I guess, 2014. Then we had Vampironica, Jughead the Hunger. And I think after those issues, attention in the line, or at least in the company, turned to the Chilling Adventure series on Netflix, and then also to the weirdness of the Riverdale show. But 2023 is going to see the launch of a number of new horror titles, and this issue served up previews of Betty, the Final Girl, Pop's Chocolate Shop of Horrors, and the Cult of That Wilkin Boy. And it looks like they have some one-shots, or maybe miniseries, I can't quite tell from the house ad. But they have some more stuff coming out around Halloween, including Madam Satan, Chilling Adventures of Salem, and Weirder Mysteries. So they do appear to be going full tilt back into the horror genre. And other than that whole jinx thing, which I should have been warned about. This was a pretty solid preview issue. Never been a fan of Bingo Wilkin, but it appears that maybe he has sold his soul to the devil in exchange for success as a musician. And I suppose that could be an interesting story. And I definitely have always suspected that uh, strange things surround old Pop Tate. And Girl Taking Over. I am on the record as having enjoyed the Gwenda Bond, Lois Lane Chicklet novels. I've also enjoyed the bits of the DC Young Adult graphic novels that they've done over the last five, six, seven years or so. Raven and Beast Boy are the ones that jump out in my memory, but there have been plenty of other ones as well. And it seems like the latest edition will be Girl Taking Over which tells the story of a just-out-of-high-school girl of Asian ancestry seeking out a journalism internship before heading to college. She is, of course, Lois Lane. And correct me if I'm wrong, but my sense is that this is the first time they've added a particular ethnicity to the Lane family. Nothing wrong with that. And in this, Lois finds herself trying to keep her life plan on track, starting her career, making nice with her roommate-slash-rival, and trying to live up to the high expectations that both she and her mom have set for her. I thought this was another good start. Again, I know from chatting with M that these DC graphic novels do tend to sell pretty well at their store. I am Stan. This is an excerpt from Tom Scioli's upcoming graphic biography of Stan Lee. 
there are a number of nice formatting and layout choices that I liked here, especially the ones that summarized the process of introducing new characters to the Marvel line. Creation of Hulk, Spidey, Daredevil, etc. You see Stan dealing with Steve and Jack, Ramita and Roy, and the whole gang. And how he developed the concepts of the bullpen and the soapbox. I imagine this will be interesting when the full-length graphic book comes out later in the summer. This is just a little slice, but I'd like that, from what I can tell, it seems to fall between the two polar positions on Stan. You do get his creative energy, his marketing skills, his writing prowess, but you also get him defending his not giving writing credit to the artists and his uh, brusque management style. It gives me hope that this may be a fair biography, not a hatchet job, but also not a hagiography. Investigators. Call that because the lead characters are not just, well, investigators, but they're actual gators, like alligators. This is one of my absolute favorite kid series. These are from First Second and are published, I believe, as OGNs, with the free comic book day issues serving as previews. This one had, as a plot, such as it is, a mysterious big company with a cruise ship that has disappeared, and maybe there's pirate treasure involved. Sounds like a case for Sir Martin Gray myself. But the plot, such as it is, is there simply to deliver jokes and puns. Lots and lots of puns. I love it. Mech Cadets. This issue jointly promotes the upcoming trade collection of this all-ages Kaboom! series by Greg Pak. It also promotes the upcoming Mech Cadet Netflix animated series. This story is the story of a world where alien mechs began arriving on Earth some 60 years ago. Now, the Sky Corps trains cadets to be available when mechs arrive to be selected as their human pilots. But this year, one mech decides to not select one of the well-trained cadets, but instead opts for the child of the immigrant janitor who works at the academy. So it sets the stage, introduces some characters and conflicts, and gets us set up for an ongoing story. It's not necessarily the type of story that tends to appeal to me, mech suit heroes, but I can see that it has potential as a property. It seems to have all of the right ingredients. Red Sonja, Dynamite has had this license forever, it seems. They have put out tons of Sonja material, so much that I have lost track of it all. I need to go through my lists and figure out which minis I've read and which I haven't, so I know vaguely, approximately, where to pick up. 
Anyway, this year's issue features the start of a new story in which Sonia is battling a dark, malevolent spiritual force in his master's voice. Cool introduction. And because comic book licensing is weird, Dynamite also included, in this issue, Red Sonia's first appearance, an eight-pager from 1975's Marvel feature number one. Like I said, I've had fun with Red Sonia over the years in various guises and versions, and I really ought to get back to her stories sometime. Smurfs! This was the offering this year from Paper Cuts. And I confess that even though my favorite color is blue, that I am in fact wearing a blue shirt even as I record this, the Smurfs have never appealed to me. Maybe I was just the wrong age, just a a scotch too old. When the TV show was on, it was just too silly and goofy for me. But I have to say that the three stories in this comic were more reminiscent of a good Asterix story, also published in the U.S. by Paper Cuts, than a cheesy Saturday morning cartoon. Not sure why I picked this one up, but I'm glad that I did. Spidey and His Amazing Friends, which is a very, very young kid book, like Just Learning to Read, kid book. What I like about this is that even though it has villains, in this one a gender-swapped Doc Ock, her evil, dastardly plan is to turn the park into a giant aquarium. This plot is thwarted by Spidey and Ghost Spider and Miles, along with Hulk and Black Panther and Ms. Marvel, who end up giving her a much smaller, more manageable-sized fish tank to enjoy. So in the end, it all works out and everybody's happy. Very fun read, really nailing that four to seven-year-old vibe, which sometimes is me. Spider-Man 2, this one is from the Marvel Gamerverse line, a tie-in to an upcoming Spider-Man 2 game from Sony. I've actually read another one, maybe two of these game tie-in series, and because I'm not heavily tied into Marvel continuity or Marvel events, having these out-of-continuity, short, contained stories, that can actually work for me. In this one, Peter and Miles, along with MJ as their tech girl, battle invisible baddies. But the most troubling bit of this The part that almost made me throw it across the room on the very first page was that in this world, J. Jonah Jameson himself has become one of them stinking, dirty, no-good podcasters. But that very troubling plot point aside, the notion that J.J.J. would lower himself to join Such a hive of scum and villainy as podcasters? This wasn't a bad start to a series. Star Trek from IDW. This contained two stories. One 
is the prelude to their next big storyline, Day of Blood, with Klingons and Romulans getting ready to get some warfare going on. And a much lighter backup, an excerpt from Lower Decks, number one. Of the two, if I'm going to follow up with one of these, probably down the road from Hoopla, it would probably be Lower Decks. Humor in comics can be tricky, but that one had me chuckling the whole way through. I don't know how long IDW has held the Star Trek license. I think it's been a good long time. And I've read a fair amount of these stories, and they tend to be quite good. Star Wars The High Republic. This was actually from 2021, but they had it on the table and I picked it up. This was from Viz, and was a manga take on The High Republic. This started the story, The Edge of Balance, about young Jedi Lily and her Wookiee friend helping displaced civilians relocate after the hyperspace disaster. I was going to say after a hyperspace disaster, but both words are capitalized, so it sounds like a thing. The hyperspace disaster. This issue also had a bit of the Guardian of the Wills OGN manga. Good stuff, even if it was, in fact, technically speaking, a few years old. And lastly, Star Wars The High Republic Adventures, which I double-checked, was actually from 2023. And evidently, I missed a memo somewhere along the line because this was put out by Dark Horse. Do they have the High Republic license? Because I didn't hear that Marvel stopped doing the core Star Wars books. Let me know what I'm missing about this situation. Anyway, good story, and also a pretty good backup from Avatar The Last Airbender. That one was good, too. I don't know that I read a ton of Dark Horse but my impression is that the ones that I have read are all pretty solid. And this issue certainly did not contradict that experience. And that is all of them. All of the dozen comics I picked up at Free Comic Book Day 2023. Of these, the ones I could see myself most likely following up on, if I see a trade out in the wild or if I see them pop up, on the Hoopla digital app. Spider-Man 2, like I said, I've enjoyed game tie-in series. They really work for me better than they work for most fans, probably. Red Sonia is always a good possibility, but also the Star Trek series. Maybe the lower deck ones, uh, even more of the ones that were in that issue. Good stuff. And if I see I Am Stan, or the Lois Lane OGN show but the library, those are probably pickups as well. Overall, good comics, and overall, a good day. The verdict on Free Comic Book Day 2023. It was free. It was comics. And again this year, at least for me, it was hanging out with my wife and brother-in-law. How can you beat that? Of course, Free Comic Book Day is always a good day, whatever the circumstances, but this one, especially 
enjoyable. That wraps up my coverage of Free Comic Book Day 2023, bringing episode 193 of The Quarterbin to a close. In this post-COVID world, I don't know how successful or how big this year's FCBD was, but if you were a part of the crowd this year, or if you got any of these books through mail order, I'd love to hear some feedback about what you picked up, what you liked and didn't like. Next time on Quarterbin 194, we'll be looking at one of the all-time best-selling issues in comic book history. It's X-Men number one from Marvel Comics, cover dated October 1991, and if all goes as planned, I will not be alone. Now, usually, this is the point where these episodes end. But for this one, I'm taking another musical break so I can come back and tell you a story. A story of how, for the last number of years, I was planning for this episode of The Quarter Bin to be the last ever episode of The Quarter Bin. I know, episode 193 is gonna be a long one. fall of 2019, Robert Kirkman wrapped up The Walking Dead with an out-of-the-blue shock ending in issue 193. Nobody knew it was coming. And that includes the artists who had done covers for previews for at least issues 194 and 195. And I loved that. I am on record in the reading journal for that month, for loving that. The text pieces that followed the words, the end, in that issue, explained the reasoning, and it all made perfect sense to this reader. I fully supported Kirkman on that choice and his manner of wrapping up his series. A little while later, sometime during the pandemic, M and I sat down and chatted about where we were going with Relatively Geeky and also Dorkness to Light. And that is where the idea of Countdown to Final Short Box was hatched. And this next thing I'm going to say has not been announced yet. But at that time, I also decided to wrap up the Comics Reading Journal here this summer with episode 99. Now, at that point, I started to talk to M about possibly wrapping up the Doctor Doom show as well, but then a stabbing pain immediately jammed into my brain. I guess from the subdermal implant I got last time I visited the Latverian embassy? That sent me to check the contract I signed for the Doomspeak show. My lawyer, Jen Walters, did her best to negotiate good terms for me, but Latveria... They've got some pretty good attorneys as well. The upshot 
is that in deference to my favorite comic series ever, they will allow me generously to retire from the Doomspeak show with a pension after I release episode 2099. So that show has quite a future in front of it. Now this summer, 2023, is the network's 10th anniversary, and M and I are going to do an episode that uh, commemorates that, celebrates that. And we'll talk more about the direction of the network and all that, but let me get specifically here to the quarter bin and how it almost ended right here. I mentioned earlier that quarter bins had dried up during COVID, and we had about two, three years without any new books going into the database. Not that we were going to run out at any time, but the fun, the excitement of finding new books added to the database, that was gone, and seemingly it was gone forever. So, a few years ago, I decided to wrap up the quarter bin. Again, not totally get out of podcasting necessarily, but just shake things up. This is easily the longest I've ever been involved in any outside hobby continually 10 years. And sometimes you just need to sit down and say, do I want to keep doing this? And if so, for how long? The last thing that either me or M want to do is the old pod fade to just stop releasing shows with no notice. No intention, really. Just sort of fade out. So coming up with ending episodes, 75 for Shortbox, 99 for The Reading Journal, Infinity for Doomspeak. That was appealing. And I think it was around episode 170 or so, be two plus years ago, when all these thought processes were happening. And there I was facing a big number, 200. You may remember, episode 100 was a massive, summer-long, six-part extravaganza. There was no way I could figure out how to top that, much less match it, much less even come close. And then I remembered Robert Kirkman, out of the blue, stopping with issue 193. And it hit me like a bolt out of the blue. And for a good two plus years, I knew with metaphysical certainty that this episode, episode 193, would be the last one. Way back then, I didn't know it would be free comic book day, but I planned to mirror the way The Walking Dead ended by wrapping up the episode announcing that there would be no 194, taking a break, and coming back and having this chat with you all. Obviously, that chat would have been quite different from this one, as it all turned out. So then, why did I change my mind? Because this show will continue. I have no plans to end it. Not to end it with 200. 
That one, matter of fact, episode 200, will be more or less a regular episode. And again, at this point, I have no plans to end the podcast at any particular point. Though, of course, that could change. Because I think of some of the podcasting folk I know who have gotten out of the game for health reasons, for family changes, other traumas. Obviously, anything can happen. And knock on laminated press board, I hope that when I do get out of podcasting for good, I'm able to announce it well in advance and all of that. Because I know that sometimes that just doesn't happen. That being said, it is not our intention to ever just pod fade away. So let me answer that question specifically. Why did I change my mind? Why is this show going to keep on rolling down the highway? And it's not just one thing. It's the confluence of at least four separate ideas, notions, thoughts that have led me to stay in the quarter bin game. First, quarter bins are back, baby! As I've said, the database has plenty of books in it, well into the hundreds. That's not the issue. It's more that the database has been stagnant, with nothing new coming into it, and scrolling through the database and always seeing the exact same books, kind of a bummer. But in early 2023, at least two locations of half-price books around here reintroduced quarter boxes. Not for all their comics, of course, but as a last-chance clearance box. And I've nabbed a few dozen or so of these so far this year. And I've scheduled at least two episodes of the next maybe 10 or so that are going to cover some recent half-price books pickups. And that, I found, really energized me. Second, to be honest, I never found a good issue to end it all with. Certainly, in retrospect, I'm glad that I didn't. But that was one thing I never nailed down. I decided that 193 would be the final episode, but I never found anything appropriate in terms of an issue, anything that really fit. I was looking for maybe a series finale, something like that, something that could really put a bow on the podcast. But no. So I never slotted a specific comic into this spot to cover. And I wonder if I would have been able to change my mind had I committed to covering a specific wrap-up issue. Third, I had a good time last year doing the genre-based monthly quarter bin episodes, and I'm not going to repeat that again, but part of that was having a lot of guests on the show. That is what I enjoyed so much, and that is something I'd like to continue. I so much enjoy the podcasting community, and I'd like to stay plugged in 
with so many people in it, with you, lovely listener, as an example. And when I made the decision to keep on with this show, I kind of had to scramble and plot out the next dozen or so episodes, because that's what I do. And about half of those, I am anticipating to have a guest join. Not that talking to somebody on a podcast is the only time I ever talk to my podcasting buddies, but it is a significant chunk of time that I spend talking to my podcast buddies. And I realized I'm not quite ready to give that up. And fourth, also by last year, 2022, maybe this was impacted by the lockdowns and the pandemic and also some organizational changes at work. But I was feeling kind of down. And after 400 episodes on the network, coming up on 10 years, like we said, of yammering about comics, I really wondered if I still had things to say. Did I still have stories to tell? Because even though this is a comic book review podcast of a sort, it's also a what do I have to say about the comic? What do I have to bring to the comic podcast? And often that's been a story about the title, about the character, about the issue, my my history with the comic or the creator, and sometimes something not related to comics at all. But I thought that maybe I had told all of my stories. But then, 2023 happened. And on the Doctor Doom show, I talked about politics and comics. And as we discussed earlier in this episode, the Nightwing story definitely sent me in an unexpected direction. Last episode, I talked about when I was a kid living overseas. So maybe, after all, I do have a few more stories to tell. Again, it wasn't any one of these elements in particular, but it was, in fact, all of them working in concert that brought me to this place. The place of saying that in terms of the Quarter Bin podcast, let's keep this cheap train a-rolling. And not just for this episode or this year, but for as long as you in particular have been listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for indulging me yet again. And that actually, truly does, I know what you're thinking, finally bring episode 193 of the Quarterbin Podcast to a close. If you have any questions or comments about this episode or the podcast or your experiences with Free Comic Book Day 2023, feel free to contact me. Until next episode, I'm Professor Allen, and I'll see you in the quarter bit. Quarterbin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky family of podcasts. Show notes and links are available at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com, where the podcasts Uncovering the Bronze Age, 
and Shortbox Showcase also make their home. Links to Facebook and Twitter are there as well. Feedback for the show is welcome at relativelygeeky at gmail.com. And if you like what we've got going here, please leave a review and a rating in iTunes. It'll help more people discover the show. Thanks again for listening.